You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So today's topic is so, so important to all the nations of this world. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I need you to pray like crazy for me and for yourself. If you've ever brought your A game, uh, maybe you're here at our Overland Park campus. We're just thankful to have you here in the venue right now or in the auditorium. I'm going to encourage you to bring your A game spiritually. Maybe you're part of our Olathe campus team who is meeting in the venue, uh, right now being hosted by our Overland Park campus uh, at the 9.30, 11 a.m. service. Guys, welcome. Would you bring your very best openness to the Holy Spirit, openness to His Word? If you're online, uh, we just thank you for joining us wherever you're at. Would you pray like crazy? Join all of us in asking God to pray like crazy, that we see the Bible come alive in ways we've never seen before, and that we're more open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in something that is a huge kingdom goal, a huge kingdom need for literally every nation in this world. So join me in begging God for his help. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, coming 2,000 years ago. Thank you that you uh, left heaven and you were comfortable. You left your home. And you came down and clothed yourself in human flesh and put on, you're a foreigner in this world. You put on foreign clothes and ate foreign food and uh, spoke a language and worked among peoples in humility and anonymity that we could never thank you enough. And Jesus, I pray you would allow us to bring our very best A-game spiritually, more looking uh, into the word of God, listening to it like, like never before, more openness to the prompting of your Holy Spirit as, we, as much as we ever have in our life, more surrender of our lives to you. And Jesus, we ask you on behalf of the nations in this world, we ask you on behalf of the gospel in your kingdom, we ask you on behalf of your glory, your credit, and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's my question for you. I want to ask you, um, what if you became convinced that God himself wanted you to move? And so somehow, however you follow God, you became convinced, maybe you're praying about it, it just keeps coming up. Maybe every time you open the Bible, man, it's just, this topic keeps coming up. Maybe people mention it to you. Everything you watch and listen to, man, God wants me to move for the gospel, And you became absolutely 100% convinced, but God was not telling you where you're moving. And he just says, I want you to start the process to move. Would you do that? Like, how far would you go? Would you go get a passport? And so now you're filling out the paperwork, and somebody says, hey, where are you going? And you answer, I I don't know yet, but I'm moving. And so then you pack up your belongings. Everything gets in boxes. You order a shipping crate, and you put them all in there, and the guy in the shipping business says, hey, where do you want this shipped? And you say, I, I don't know yet. 
Here's your money. I'll let you know later. And somehow you get on a plane and now you're flying somewhere in this world. And for whatever reason, you don't know where you're going and you're on the flight. You are flying to this foreign land and you have no idea where you're going. Just how far would you go? Would you, if God himself was prompting you to move, go for the gospel without knowing where you're going? And when you landed, maybe you found yourself among the Palestinian people group. There are 12 million Palestinians worldwide. And you went, ah, God's called me to work with the Palestinian people group. Or maybe you landed in the Brazilian rainforest as many small tribes dotted along the rainforest. And there's a group of 200 people. That's it. A people group or a thousand people. That is your people group. Or maybe when you land, you're among the Kurdish people. You find yourself in the safe area of Iraq, in northern Iraq, in Kurdistan. And while you're there, you're living in northern Iraq, in Kurdistan. Now I know where to ship my stuff. Or maybe you land and you're among the Somali peoples. There are 23 million Somalis worldwide. Or maybe when you land and you realize God has called you to Spain. You're like, Spain? Cool. The West. Woohoo! Spain. That's a Christian culture, isn't it? It used to be a Christian culture. It's a post-Christian culture. There are 46 million, in the, million people in that country, 106 different people groups. There are empty cathedrals and empty hearts in that country. Atheists everywhere, post-Christian culture. One of the hardest people to reach in this world. Would you be willing to go to literally quit your job, change your job, break that apartment lease, sell your house, pack up your belongings, and move and ship them somewhere in this world if God himself was asking you to move. Would you do that? That actually happened to a guy named Abraham. And we're going to be in our Bibles in Hebrews chapter 11. And so we're going to start there. We're going to be from Genesis to Revelation. Get your pens ready or your smartphone device ready to take some notes. Our ushers have Bibles, and if you want to raise your hand, they'll get those to you. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Here is the crazy story of Abraham. Hebrews 11, verse 8. Join me. Well, look what it says here. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he, would re- which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, here it comes, not knowing where he was going. Abram, that was his name before being changed to Abraham, literally came home one day and told his wife this, honey, I got good news and bad news. She says, well, well, well what's the good news? Well, the good news is God himself has spoken to me. Uh, what's it about? Well, we're moving. Uh, we've got to quit my job. We're going to sell our house. We're going to pack up our stuff. We're going to get on the road. She says, well, that's, if that's the good news, what's the bad news? I don't know where we're going, but when we're traveling, we're going to trust God. He's going to guide us there. Are you crazy? By faith, Abraham obeyed. Would you, if you realized that God himself was prompting you to go, would you go? Here's a map of Abraham's journey, by the way. He traveled from what's pretty near the Persian Gulf in a city called Ur in modern-day Iraq. He traveled north to what we know today as Turkey in Haran, and then south 
to what we know as the Holy Land today. He traveled basically 1,000 to 1,100 miles, you know, walking, not knowing where he was going. It'd be like us, by the way, walking with our family and belongings to Richmond, Virginia. When you finally got to Richmond, city limits Richmond, God's Spirit finally said, you're there. Now we know where we're at. Why is the question? Like, why would God call someone to leave their comfortable lifestyle, leave the people they know and love, leave their school system, leave their home, leave their job, to go to a foreign country where they speak a different language, have different clothing, different... Why would God do that? Why would he call anybody to do that? And that's our key theme today, our our one big idea. You can write down your notes. God called Abraham to bless all the nations with the gospel. God called Abraham, emphasis on all the nations, all the nations with the gospel. And this is a call God repeats over and over and over throughout Scripture. In the Greek, in the New Testament, the Greek word is ethnos, ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S, from which we get the word in English, ethnic group. And an ethnos in English, in the Greek, actually is an ethno-linguistic group. There are, around the world, 9,808 unique ethno-linguistic people groups in this world, ethnos, nations in this world. And God had called Abraham, you need to leave your house, sell your house, quit your job, move to a fo- be a foreigner in some other's land, because I want to bless the nations With the gospel, every nation needs to hear the gospel. We can see this, by the way, a series of verses you can write down. We'll begin over in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to go Genesis to Revelation. So get ready, take some good notes. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 is Abram's call. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I'm not telling you till you get on the road. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. How is he going to be a blessing? I will bless those who bless you and will curse him who curses you. And in you, here it comes, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God was calling Abraham to leave his School system and home and job and culture that he knows and loves and be a foreigner in someone else's land because God wanted to bless every family in this world. So what does God mean by family here in Genesis? What's he talking about? One of the great rules of Bible study is to find if God talks about a story somewhere, does he give commentary elsewhere? That's called cross-referencing, a cross-reference. And yes, The Apostle Paul talks about this very verse, gives us more insight on what God was doing. Look in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. Galatians 3, verse 8. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about that call of Abraham. He says it's about the gospel and all the nations, ethnos. He says, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel, the good news, to Abraham beforehand, saying... In you, there's our quote, all the nations shall be blessed. Every ethnos is the Greek word. All of the 9,808 unique ethno-linguistic people groups around the world, they will be blessed 
with the gospel. And then, as you keep reading in the Bible, God repeats this over and over and over. And it's going to sound a bit repetitive, and it is for a reason. Let's fast forward when God talks to Abraham's son, Isaac. Write down Genesis 26, verse 4. He tells Isaac the very same call to reach all the nations. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, here it comes, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That call to Isaac has not been fulfilled yet. Not all of the 9,808 unique ethno-linguistic ethnos people groups have been blessed by the gospel yet. So he has to repeat it through Moses talking to Pharaoh. He says, Moses talking to Pharaoh, Exodus 9, verse 16. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, Pharaoh, that I may show my power in you, and that my name, the name of God, the name of Jesus, may be declared in all the earth. That's not fulfilled yet. The name of God declared in all the earth, so he has to repeat it to Joshua. Joshua talks about this in Joshua chapter 4, verse 24. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, not yet fulfilled. That it is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So David writes about it when he writes a psalm over in Psalm 67. He says this, Psalm 67, verse 1. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. So the word selah in Hebrew is placed into the, sprinkled in the Psalms. It's a musical notation, which means literally rest. They'd be singing a song, ba, 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 selah. And you would pause and think about the impact of what was just said. Selah, rest, silence. And then he says, after silence of God blessing us, blessing us, Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations, all 9,808 people groups having his salvation, not fulfilled yet. So God speaks to the prophets. Here's Isaiah 52, verse 10. The prophets hear this message. The Lord, and the arm of God is Jesus, by the way. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God, a prophecy not yet fulfilled in every nation. So Malachi hears the same message. Malachi 1 verse 11. This is awesome. Every people group actually worshiping the true God. Malachi 1 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to the going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles in every place. Incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name, the name of God, the name Jehovah, the name Jesus, my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. It's in God's heart, yet not fulfilled, which is why in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, there are three words many of us mentally drop out of the Great Commission. If, if you're new to church and the Bible and Jesus, the Great Commission is our marching orders. There are standing orders to reach the whole world. And many people read the Great Commission like this. Oh yeah, Great Commission, I get it. That's what the church does. We, we make disciples 
We baptize those new disciples, and then we teach them the Bible, and then they go do that. And that's absolutely true, except we're missing three of the most important words, which is the continuing call that God gave to Abraham. It's the phrase, all the nations. Have you mentally dropped three of the most important words that the church should care about and pray about and agonize over all of the 9,808 unique people groups in this world. Here's the Great Commission to us. This is our marching orders. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. We are called to all of the 9,808 unique people groups, ethnos, ethno-linguistic groups in this world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And John, in Revelation, sees a day someday when this is fulfilled, by the way. Revelation 7, verse 9, he pictures the throne. And he sees representatives of all the ethnos around the throne. It's so cool. It's not yet fulfilled. Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things, I looked. And behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations... All ethnos, all ethno-linguistic people groups, all 9,808 groups, tribes, peoples, and tongues, what are they doing? They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's Jesus, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There's Somalis and Palestinians and Brazilian tribes and all these people groups from India and Spain calling out to God, representatives of all 9,808 unique people groups around the world praising Jesus Christ. He's our God, they say. So I shared these verses and someone grabbed me after I shared them and said, to be honest, it sounded pretty repetitive. <laughs> Tim, couldn't you just give us two or three verses and just said, yada, yada, yada. The Bible talks about this more. Yeah, we could have. Here's the challenge. God's repeating this, like over and over and over. Why do people repeat things over and over? Just think in a second. Just think in your mind. Why do you repeat things to people? Why would you do that? Is it one time enough? Should be. Why does God repeat things to us? Shouldn't one time be enough? Probably should be. But if he repeats it over and over, it must be really important to him. The global church often has dropped three of the most important letters of the Great Commission. The original call to Abram or Abraham, which is caring and praying and sending missionaries to all the ethnos, all the nations. He repeats it because we need it. Now, let's talk about Global Missions and Grace Church for a moment. I want to give you just four quick stats, just year to date. There are some really good things happening here at Grace Church in the area of Global Missions, and we want to celebrate some of those things. And there's, there's some key numbers here, but numbers represent people. These are lives changed. Here's a great number so far this year, 140. 140 is a great number so far this year. That's the number of people who gave their lives to Jesus because you, Grace Church, got on planes and went on short-term missions trips. A short-term missions trip is less than a month. 140 people 
gave their life to Jesus. So, just so far this year, which is awesome. Here's another great number this year. So far this year, six. Six is a fantastic number this year. It's bigger than ever. Those are the number of people we've supported on medium-term missions trips. Medium-term mission trip is between one month to one year. Not multiple years, but one month to one year. We've sent people, funded them to go to Brazil, China, the Czech Republic, Morocco. Your generosity, giving, gener- tithing, 10%, we give a- as well. Your generosity makes it possible for us to be generous. Here's another great number, three. Three is an awesome number here at Grace. That's the number of church planters who have left their communities and churches and are transitioning to Grace to be trained by Grace to plant churches, independent churches, to recruit anybody that will follow and be sent out. How cool is that? That's awesome. Here's another great number, 470,000. Almost a half a million. That's the number of dollars that we've given away just year to date this year so far. Because you were generous, we challenge you to tithe, to grow. God calls you to tithe 10%. We practice what we preach. We tithe as a church. When you're generous, we're generous. And so far this year, we've given away money to Mission Southside, to build a new ministry center in Olathe because of your generosity. We helped translate the Willow Creek Leadership Summit into Burmese. Burmese leaders are getting leadership training because you were generous. And we're launching a brand new Muslim background believer training facility. We funded that because you were generous. That's so far this year, which is awesome. Here's some great numbers for next year. Great numbers next year. 90. That's one of the numbers next year. That is the number of unique outreach opportunities we have next year. I I wish I could get involved in outreach How about 90 unique opportunities next year? That's pretty cool. How about two to four next year? Two to four. That's a great number, two to four. That is the number of new global partners that our outreach team is looking to find, locate, and partner with to reach Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists. Two to four new global partners to add to our current global partners to reach people who are unreached people groups. How about one? That's a great number next year. One. That is the number of Bibles you're helping us fund to get Bibles in a language that doesn't have a Bible. There are 1,778 languages that if you speak those languages, you can't read the Bible. 1,778 languages. The Seed Company is our partner. We, We fund translators through them, and their goal is awesome. Their goal is that in the next eight years, they want to start the translation Start it, at least, for all 1,778 languages. That is an awesome goal we're going to be a part of. Those are awesome numbers for next year. That's how Grace Church is doing. How is the global church responding? So we're all called over and over. God repeats it ad nauseum. It's about all the nations, all the ethnos, all the people, all the nations. Let's talk about our global report card that we're a teensy-weensy piece of, but we are a piece of the global church. Here's a chart. Take a look at the chart. This is the number of people groups worldwide. There are 9,808 unique people groups, ethnos, in this world. Of those 9,800, half of them, almost half, 41% are unreached. 41% of the 9,800 have less than 2% Christians in their culture. Why is 2% important? That's the threshold. Two out of 100 
where the indigenous peoples can reach their own peoples. But below the 2% threshold, it's in danger of being squashed out. They need extra support. And by the way, of the 4,000 unreached people groups, half of them are in the country of India. 2,000 of the unreached people groups in the world are located in one country with 2,000 unreached unique ethnos, ethno-linguistic people groups. All right, here's a map of the world, the progress of the gospel by people group. This comes from the Joshua Project. And the, the green areas, by the way, welcome to Greenville. So we totally, man, we are living in Greenville, established church, great. And there are yellow areas where the church is formative, but there are red areas that are called unreached. And certainly you see some red dots in the jungle of South America. Those are tribes of 200, 1,000, 1,500. They need people to go be there, live there. But the majority of unreached people groups, the 41% of unreached people groups, are in that band of red. Look at that band. It requires people to move into those areas. Wow. The next chart shows the 1040 window. We call this the 1040 window. That is in a box from 10 degrees north latitude to 40 degrees north latitude. That's where the majority of people without Jesus live. In the 1040 window. This next chart is a stunner. We have 41% of the unreached people groups in this world. Look at this next pie chart. 41% of the groups are unreached. Where are we sending our missionaries? As of right now, only 3% of missionaries worldwide are deployed to the 41% of unreached people groups in the jungle and in that box. I look at that chart. And I, there's, I have a flurry of emotions. I get sick to my stomach when I see that chart. I get sad, legitimately sad when I see that chart. I feel overwhelmed when I see that chart. That is the global church's report card. Is this done intentionally? No, it's accidentally. It's sincerely. At minimum, there's an imbalance going on among missionaries. Only 97% of missionaries not working among the unreached people groups. At maximum, there's an outright injustice. Accidental, unintentional, sincere injustice in the deployment of missionary resources. This next chart, how many non-Christians know one Christian? How many non-Christians know at least one Christian? Next chart, you'll see this. So if you're a non-Christian in this world, 81% chance you've never met a single Christian in your life. Only 19% of non-Christians have ever met one Christian in their entire life bumping in in a business meeting with a Christian. How could 81% of people have never met one Christian in their life as a non-Christian because they live in the box where they associate only with their own people group? You wonder, it, makes you, it makes you wonder why, I get an insight, why, why would God repeat over and over and over? It's about all the nations. All the nations, all the nations, all the nations. That's something that must change globally. It must change also, starting with us here at Grace, to shift the imbalance or injustice of only 3% of missionaries 
being deployed to the 41% of the unreached people groups, which are the hearts of the Great Commission. We're making disciples of all of the 9,808, including the 4,000 ethnos nations that don't have the gospel yet. That's the true, full Great Commission. Now, how did Abraham respond? He was called to become a foreigner in another land, sell his house, quit his job, go start a new business. How did he respond? Go back to Genesis now. Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 4 shows his response. And, I, and I will, we'll share this with people, and people will say, Tim, I am too old to think about that. I'm in my 40s. I've got my career going. There's no way. I mean, that missionary work is young guy work. And, well, I'm in my 50s right now. I'm just too old for that. I'm in my 60s. I just retired. That's a young person's business, being a missionary, going somewhere. I'm just so old. I'm in my 60s right now. No way. I'm too young. I'm 13 years old. How could God call me to be a missionary? I'm 14 years old. I'm 8 years old. I'm way too young for God to call me a missionary. Really? Let's read the story of Abraham. Verse 4. So Abram departed. As the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old. You see, I'm in my 60s. I'm way past missionary age. Really? Dude was 75. When he departed from Haran, Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and took all their possessions that they had gathered, and all the people whom they had gathered in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. When Abraham became convinced, I think God is calling me to move to a foreign land. Abraham didn't know where he was going, no area studies, no information. Quit his job, broke his apartment lease, sold his house, collected his family, got on the road, and found himself in a foreign land to bless all the nations with the gospel. And the gospel it, continuing call for the Great Commission is for us to be willing to do that. So here's my question. The next chart is that worldwide map again. I'll ask you a question. What about the 3.1 billion people in this world that have never heard the gospel once? What about those 3.1 billion? I myself heard the gospel many times before I received Jesus. There's 3.1 billion that never once heard that Jesus died for them and loves them and rose again. Not one time, 3.1 billion. What about them? I'll, I'll put the question another way. Will we, Grace Church, obey God's call to take the gospel to all the nations? Will we, Grace Church, obey God's call, Matthew 28, 19, to take the gospel to all the ethnos, all the nations? And guys, that's why we are so committed to planting churches over the next 20 years, 100 churches in sites over 20 years. Not only do we want to see churches planted here, because new churches make new disciples better, but we'd love to see, of those 100 a large percentage on the foreign field, and even better, a large percentage among unreached people groups to start to shift the balance of the inequity of 3% of missionaries working among the 41% of unreached people groups in this world. 
steps we can take. If you're going to write anything down, these are the times to write three words down in your notes. Steps we all, if you've been moved at all, or inspired at all, or educated at all, or if you still have a pulse and you're still awake, join me in writing these things down. Write down number one. Number one is pray. We all can pray. Pray. Pray like crazy. God sends missionaries to the box. And the, and the verse I'm praying in my prayer list multiple times a week is Matthew 9, 38. Jesus gave us a prayer to pray. He says this, Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I pray that actual verse multiple times a week. It's a verse to pray for God to send out missionaries. It says, Therefore, pray, Matthew 9, 38, the Lord of the harvest. God, you are Lord of the harvest. Would you send? God, would you send? Send. Send out laborers into your harvest. So Jesus told us to pray that. That's another Lord's prayer right there. He told us to pray it. Why don't we do that? Let's all pause in silence and go to God and tell God he is the Lord of the harvest. And let's ask him to send out missionaries to the 41% of unreached people groups in this world. Go to God and ask him that. God, your great commission has three words that so many of us, even me at times, drop out of it. All the nations, including the over 4,000 groups that are yet unreached. God, please send out laborers into the harvest. If you want me to go, my family want me to quit my job, be sent out, collect my family to go, I'll go. God, please send laborers into your harvest. Would you rebalance the global church inequity of 97% of missions resources being deployed among reached peoples? And God, raise up in the global church a movement of churches to send missionary resources to the 41% of groups in this world, half of which alone are in the country of India. God, please send out missionaries. Amen. Number one is pray. Number two is listen. Number two, I'm going to challenge you to listen to God. Listen to God more than you ever have in your life to the promptings of God to go. You may be prompted to go on one of our short-term missions trips this next year. We have six, seven, eight, somewhere in there, missions trips being planned for next year, for 2017. You're going to hear more about those coming in December and January. Would you listen to God? Because you may hear a trip and go like wants me to go. Listen and go. Or maybe listen. You might be prompted to have some compassion. You'll hear about the Palestinian peoples. And you hear about them, and God will start prompting your heart, the 12 million worldwide. Would you listen to God if he was prompting you to work among the Palestinian people group? Or maybe God would prompt you about the small tribes dotted in the Brazilian rainforest. Would you listen if God was prompting you to go? just like Abraham, to go. Or maybe you hear about the Kurdish peoples, and there's a need right now in the safe area of Iraq, northern Iraq, Kurdistan, or a need 
to move to uh, the largest Kurdish city in the United States, Nashville, Tennessee. 15,000 Kurds live in Nashville, little Kurdistan. And you may move there and ditch the belt buckle and you may go live among the little Kurdistan being a missionary to unreached people groups right there in Nashville. Would you listen if God was prompting you to go? Or maybe the Somali peoples. Would you move if God prompted you to go 23 million worldwide? Less than half actually live in Somalia. Would you listen if God was prompting you to move? The third most spoken language in Kansas City is Somali. And they live in the urban core of Kansas City, Missouri. Would you, if you sense prompting, move to right among the Somali peoples as God has brought them here, the world here? Would you listen if God was saying, go or Spain? Now a post-Christian culture, 46 million people, empty cathedrals, empty hearts, atheistic culture, used to be missionary sending, now in need. One of the hardest places in the world to go as a missionary. Would you listen and go if God was prompting you to go? Pray, number one. Listen, number two. And talk is number three. Talk is number three. Begin a conversation with our outreach director, Justin Raby. Justin Raby. You can email him, by the way, if you have a prompting about this or you have questions about it, email him at either churchplanting at visitgracechurch.com or missions at visitgracechurch.com. Either one goes to him. And you can say, I feel a prompting. What would it take for me to be equipped? I don't know if I would do either one of those things or be part of a team. Or I feel a prompting. How do I process this prompting about this? Talk, begin a conversation with Justin about this. I, uh, I think back to the 3% chart. 41% of groups are unreached. Of the 4,000 plus groups unreached. And 3% of our mission's resources globally. And it makes me sad, and it makes me sick, and I have begged God, I'll go. And God's never given me clearance. I don't have any on the radar. It's not my radar, but um, every time I pray about it, God says, fine, stay there. Okay. All righty. But I'm open. Guys, something must be done to obey the full Great Commission that includes all the nations. I beg you to pray and listen to God and be open. What if God was wanting to use Grace Church, be one of the many churches, to shift the imbalance? And to see all tribes, all peoples standing before the throne someday. That will be an awesome legacy. Let's pray. God, I love you, and you know my willingness. Um, Again, I'll just pray right now for me. If you want to send me as a missionary to turn the reins of this church over to somebody else, leadership role, and, and do that, I'm willing to do that. I continue to hear no from you which I'm I'm very fine with as well (laughs) but God I pray you'd prompt somebody else then make me a part of that of equipping, inspiring training, would you take people at Grace Church and start to begin this Abraham like faith and willingness to listen 
the willingness to be a missionary like Jesus, you left your country in heaven, you left your clothing, you left your lifestyle, and you came to this world and lived as a foreigner in this world. God, I pray you'd raise up people with the faith of Abraham, which Hebrews 11, 8 says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, you know, Barbara obeyed. By, by faith, Bob obeyed. By faith, Jim obeyed. By faith, Ted obeyed. Dear God, please. People that would obey you, the promptings of God to move, to bless all the nations with the gospel. And I pray if anybody here doesn't know Christ as Savior, Jesus, there might be people, somebody worshiping online right now, somebody sitting in the venue right now worshiping here at our Overland Park campus. If there's a hint of doubt that they have you as Savior, Jesus, right now, help them to pray. Help them to pray to you, Jesus, and call out, Dear Jesus, Help them to surrender to you. Dear Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I confess to you my sins have separated me from you. And I thank you, Jesus. Have them pray this. I thank you, Jesus, that you loved me so much. That you loved me so much that you died in my place and rose again. I place my faith in you, Jesus. I make you my Savior and my leader, my Lord Jesus. God, help them to surrender fully and completely to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.